In what seemed the blink of an eye, your world is turned upside down. You wake up in the morning and you wonder if it's just a dream. But as the fog of sleep lifts, you realise that this is your new reality. It seems as if the world around you goes on, oblivious to your experience. Your world has been turned upside down. And while it is still somewhat familiar, it will never be the same. If only you'd known ahead of time, if only you knew what to do and how to understand this new reality, if only you could have prepared yourself. If you've ever found yourself disorientated and wondering, if you've ever wished that you could be better prepared or cried out, oh God, what do I do now? Then the good news is, Jesus is one step ahead of you. Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend some time in your word, may you enliven it into our lives today. Holy Spirit, as you live within us, would you brood over us as a church as well? Would you reveal your truths to us today, quickening in us, Spirit speaking deep to deep? This is your time, God, to do your work amongst us. We commit ourselves to you this day. Amen. In 1907, a motto was ushered across the world that has echoed around the globe ever since. Scouting is a global movement with over 54 million scouts worldwide. And regardless of their language, the motto translates the same. Do you know what it is? Be prepared. Be prepared. No matter what life throws at you, scouting founder Robert Baden-Powell wanted those who were a part of the scouting movement to be prepared for whatever they faced. Be prepared in mind, to be prepared in body as well. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus spent time with his first followers and knowing what was about to come their way, Jesus wanted them to be prepared as well. So in the hours left before he faced his own arrest and the death and his death that would shake his followers to the very core and have them question what on earth is going on, Jesus wanted them to be prepared. Not just now, but for the rest of their lives. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to John chapter 14 and 16. John chapter 14 and 16. As we look at a couple of sections in each of these chapters. And while the disciples didn't really understand what was going to take place, out of love, Jesus wanted to help them to be prepared knowing that that they would not fully appreciate what was about to happen and what he was going to be doing until after the events of that very first Easter. We pick up the preparations in John chapter 14, verse 15. John 14, 15. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. 
Um, the words are on the screen. If you've got a different translation, I'm sure you'll be able to follow along just fine. John 14, 15. If you, love, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, it's easy for us to look back on this passage from this side of Easter. But we forget that the disciples had it differently. For us, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Not being seen and then being seen, being raised to life again, going to the Father. But remember that even as Jesus tells them, his disciples, this, the disciples don't fully realise what is about to happen. That's because Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday have not yet occurred. But these words, these words that Jesus offers ahead of time, become the seeds of reassurance for each of the disciples. On the other side of Easter, on the other side of the Easter weekend, there would be a growing realisation of the, ah, oh, now I get it. So let's look a little closer at some of these words and the preparation that Jesus gives to his disciples. If you love me, obey my commands. Now, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to look at these words of obey my commandments through the lens of abuse. And we can treat the words of Jesus with the same level of fear and scepticism that we might treat others. I recoiled when I read the, uh, on the World Scouting website, Scout Law Number 7, which says, A scout obeys orders of his parents, patrol leader, or scoutmaster without question. We look at the world in which we live and the abuses that we've either experienced or witnessed. And whether it's been within the church or outside of the church, when we read words like this about obey my commandments, we want to run at times screaming and shouting, no, 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 don't do it. Sometimes it can be because we want to be our own boss. We strive for, we treasure, we want, to, we want to covet our own independence over the commands of Jesus. It's to our loss when we treat Jesus' perfect love for us and his commands for us in the same way that we treat the broken, 
brokenness of humanity. Just because those who seek to represent Jesus may breach trust, it does not mean that Jesus does. Jesus' love for us is perfect. It is self-sacrificing and he wants the very best for us. And as a part of living life well, it is a life lived in obedience to Jesus. Imagine someone declaring their love for another. Yet when the other makes requests, they are met with disregard. If I told Mary that I loved her, but when she asked me to pick up my clothes off the floor, I treated her expectations with contempt, that wouldn't be very loving now, would it? Obedience to Jesus, living a life consistent with the values of the kingdom of God and Jesus' call on our life um, is kind of like a compass that we have. Jesus knows the things that are going to be happening in our life and he knows that it's very easy for people to get disorientated. And so, where there's confusion, having a moral compass within that lives out the teaching of Jesus and helps guide us in the confusing and troubling times, they help us in what we're about to experience. So time and time again, in these verses, Jesus calls his disciples then and his followers now to live out love for Jesus through obedience to what Jesus taught them and calls them to do. If you love me, obey my commandments. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. The call of Jesus is a call from God, from the God who loves us and wants the very best for your life. And it's the confusing stuff of our life when we're, when we're prone to pull towards our own objectives and our own endeavours and our own wants, when we pull towards the worst of our souls. Jesus calls forth our best. In obedience to Jesus and in following the way that Jesus lived his life as an example for us today. When life gets confusing, when we're disorientated and we don't know what to do, then Jesus is a step ahead of us. And once again, we see it in the passages that we read today. You see, Jesus makes sure that we are not alone. Jesus speaks to his disciples, knowing that he will not be with them physically for much longer. So he prepares them. The Holy Spirit, who has been at work um, with them and through them, when, when they've seen people being healed, when they've healed the sick, when they've seen people transformed by the power of God through the words and work of Jesus in and through them as disciples, as his followers, the, well, the Holy Spirit is no longer just going to be with you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. The Spirit of God will indwell you, empower you. Look at these verses again. 
in chapter 14, verses 16 to 18. We read, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him. But you know him because he lives, in you, uh, he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And in verse 23, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. And then on in verse 26, when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, the, the Greek word that John uses here in John's Gospel is the, the Greek word paraclete. It, it describes someone who comes alongside of someone else as, as that person's aid. Someone who advocates for another. Today, it's, it, it would be kind of the closest, we kind of like a, a solicitor who advocates for and assists someone in a time of difficulty. The reason why the Holy Spirit is called another advocate is because Jesus is the original advocate, as we're reminded in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. The verse these verses describe some of the support that the Holy Spirit will bring us. In verse 16, the Holy Spirit will never leave you. He will lead us into all truth. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. And then in chapter 16, verses 13 to 15, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you, what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Jesus' followers. Faithfulness. He will never leave you. Presence. He lives in you. Guidance. He will lead you. Revelation. He will remind you. He will teach you. He will reveal the truths of God's word, God's heart to you. Jesus wanted his disciples to know that when things get disorientated, when the world seems like it's being turned upside down, then the Holy Spirit is present with them and in them faithfully and continually, guiding them and revealing to them and teaching them the will of Jesus for their lives. In Psalm 46, we read this psalm where it talks about the trouble and turmoil of life. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. And it goes on to stay. Be still and know that I am God. The realisation of this is experienced because of the work 
of the Spirit of God in us. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift that the disciples have realised in their lives and it will challenge and change the way they view troubles as they buffet them. The Spirit would help them to dig deep, to stay strong in a way that the world just does not understand. As Jesus prepares them, in John chapter 14, verses 27 to 29, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you? I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. And there we have placed before us a theme of John as one layer of the pearl in the oyster is covered by another layer. I want you to be prepared so that when this stuff happens, when things seem like your world's being turned upside down, that I am ahead of you in this and you can believe me. You can trust me. You know, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, we used to go shopping for groceries at a place called Jack the Slasher. It was kind of like the Costco of its day, but not the kind of Costco where you can go to aisle nine and buy a coffin or anything like that. But it was, it was kind of like the, the, the closest thing to it. And, and you could buy stuff straight off the pallet. And it was in bulk. And, and so you could buy you know, a 20 litre drum of washing powder and then go over to the freezer section and buy your side of lamb as well. I remember one day, as a little tacker, getting lost getting separated from mum. Mum realised soon enough that I'd gotten separated from her, but with all the noise of everything else that was going on in Jack the Slasher, going on in the store, how, how would I hear her? How would, how would she get message to me and find out where I was? While I couldn't see her, I could still hear her calling out to me. I could recognise my mum's voice in the midst of all the noise that was going on in that store because I'd learned to recognise her voice in those quiet moments of life. Perhaps you've experienced those moments when when you've come home and and a child has recognised your voice in the room or a pet that just lights up as soon as you um, speak to it because it recognises, oh, there you are. You know, it is so easy for us to overlook spending time with God in the quiet moments of life. After all, what does it matter? But the reality is that this passage with Jesus and his first disciples and for us today is is that Jesus wants us to be prepared 
and the, have the ability to be able to hear from God in the crazy, disorientating stuff of life. And if we're going to be able to do that, then we need to invest in a relationship with God in the quieter times of life. Otherwise, we're likely to miss the opportunities to experience peace of mind and peace of heart that Jesus promises. The Holy Spirit will be given so much more of a harder job reminding us of things that Jesus has taught because we've not taken the time to read them, to digest them, to soak in them and to treasure them when things are going okay. But the good news is it's not too late to start. To open yourself up to a personal relationship with Jesus who loves you, who gave his life for you and who wants you to live your life well, to live it to the full. It's not too late to start listening to and having, um, spending time reading God's word and, and to discover afresh the things that Jesus taught in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's not too late to start setting aside some time to spend with Jesus, listening to those inner promptings of the Holy Spirit, testing and working through um, whether it's God or whether it's your own feelings of, of what you want to do and allow God's guiding to grow in you as you tune in to God's voice, to learn to recognise God's voice in your life. You know, for me, I, I think listening to God is kind of like tuning in on an old-fashioned radio with the dial. Reading about Jesus in the Bible, asking Jesus to forgive you of your stuff-ups in life, obeying Jesus, it, it helps to teach us to tune in to the Holy Spirit and what God wants to say to us. Disobedience, on the other hand, is like um, tuning out the voice of God. Where we, where we tune out um, what God's saying to us and what we instead want to do is just listen to our own desires and what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. And, and the voice of God then starts to get drowned out by the static of life and we can end up feeling lost. Before their world got turned upside down, Jesus was a step ahead of them and wanted to help his followers to be prepared for what life would throw at them. By living in a relationship with Jesus and by obeying his teaching, and by being his followers and, and wanting to live out his will for our life, by tuning in to the Holy Spirit, who is faithfully present with us, guiding us and revealing Jesus' heart for us, so that when we face the tough stuff, of life. We will have peace of mind and peace of heart that defies the world's understanding. Let me pray. Jesus, we recognise that there's going to be times in our life where it's going to feel like things are just getting turned upside down. There's going to be occasions in our life when, when we just don't know at times what weighs up. And when we look out at the world around us, things are familiar but just seem so, so different. Whether it be that call from the doctor, whether it be 
the news about other stuff that's happening in life for us. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us during those times? Would you help us to be able to understand your truths and to claim them for our life? Would you help us to be able to hear your voice clear and and affirming and that we're able to understand it above all the other static in life? Holy Spirit, would you continue to lead us and guide us as your people? Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, I wonder whether there's areas in your life where you feel as though there's these barriers to you spending time with God. What, would my, what might they be? And what's some simple steps that you can take to try and reclaim some of that time with God? Are there areas in your life where you've intentionally been tuning God out because you don't want to hear, because of disobedience, you want to do your thing rather than what God is wanting you to do? The more we head down that track, the more we tune God's voice out of our life. Can I encourage you to pray about that and try and tune God in? Invite the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you and reveal God's heart for you. There's going to be some music played and as that music's played, I encourage you to pull out those response cards and take some time to respond to God and those response cards, if you're happy to, will be collected when we sing our final song and we collect our offering. God bless you. Thank you.